Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for this day, God. And Father, we pray, Lord, for, um, Lord, just for your will here, Lord. And we thank you for those, God, that, that um, do see uh, what we're doing here, Father, as service to you, Lord, and, 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 and as being a part of, of a community of believers, Father, that, that, that believe that this life is about the next and that, God, all these investments and the work and, and Lord, what we do here is, is eternal and there's no greater place to invest. There's no greater place to, to be a part of. There's, there's no better work, Lord Jesus, that, that um, will last for millions and millions of years, God. And, Lord, only those things that we do for Christ will last. And, Lord, one day we'll, we'll stand in your presence. And, and Lord, as the, the parable of the, the talents, and you gave some ten and some five and some one. And, Lord, each one did something. And, Father, we want to offer you. We want to be able to, on that day in eternity, say, Lord, that whether it's peanuts or something, that, but there was an effort. And that we tried, Father, and that we served you, Lord, and we took the talents that you gave us and we multiplied them and we invested them. And, Lord, we used our, our lives here, God, believing that one day we were going to stand in the presence of Jesus for all of eternity and that, that Jesus is real and that eternity is real and that we, we realize that that, that 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 day is coming. And we want to prepare for that, Father. We want to be used by you, God. We want to, um, Lord, just be in a place, Lord, not that's not without trials or struggles or because you never promised that, but, Lord, a place that's that's with your blessing and your your. Uh, your promise of being with us, God. So be with us, Lord, through this process. We do pray for um, this this money that we need, Father, that you would raise it, that you would bring it, whether you bring it from within or without, Lord. And and I pray for each person who who's going to pray about what part they want to do and what they want to give. That um, Lord, you you would you would speak to them, that we would each have the right heart as we give, Lord. And uh, Lord, I pray for Lydia and I as as we do the same thing and and prepare a gift, Father, that. Um, that you would bless that and that you would challenge us and stretch us, Lord God, to, to live in faith. And so, Father, we, we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right. So two things I want you guys to do tonight quickly. Or not quickly. I don't care how fast you do them. Um, one, one of the tools that, that I've been kind of encouraging you guys to be familiar with is an app on your phone or tablet or whatever you use called Blue Letter Bible. Uh, is anybody have that or using that? So tonight I would like for you to open it up and I want to um, go through something um, on it with you. So if you open up your Blue Letter app and then um, on the bottom there, you should see a little magnifying glass that says BLB in it. And you guys see that? If you tap on that little magnifying glass that says BLB, it'll bring you to a search engine. And then um, on the top, there's a bar there, and it says search range. And I'd like you to click on that, and then you've got to slide all the way down here, and I want you to, to just be in Genesis. And now just for kick, so we're all on the same page, um, on your Bible version on the upper right-hand corner, um, I want it to be on the New King James Version so that when we populate, it'll all populate the same. So New King James Version, your search range is Genesis, and we're, we're in the, um, um, the, the concordance or the search app there on Blue Letter Bible. Got that? Yes? No? Okay, well, you guys got a second. And then with your other hand... Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3. So let, let's read this story and then we'll go back and uh, unpack it just a little bit. All right, it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was laying on his laying in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, he was getting old. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark was. And while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. And so he ran. So, so he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And he said, I did not call you go lie down again. And he went and lied down again. And the Lord called yet again, to, and he said, Samuel. And so Samuel arose, and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call you, my son. Go lie down again. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. 
And then finally, Nothead Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must speak. You must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his in his place. And now the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Love those words. One of the things that um, we find in, in the Bible is, is, is several times that, that phrase, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And so um, I shared a message out of um, Ephesians, I think chapter two, and we had a response service here on a Sunday morning about six months ago, and God did a a pretty cool work that day. And we started that Sunday on this premise. And and remember, I I had the church recite that and, and say to the Lord in church, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so, you know, one of the things for you and I is, is again, that heart. And, And do you have that desire and that heart tonight and, and in your life where, where you want God to speak because you're, you're hearing or you're listening. Yes. Um, there, there's probably a lot, but what would you guys think if, if I asked you, what do you think the number one question that I get as a pastor from people that people want to know about the Bible, about God, about, I'm already giving you a couple clues. Number, number one thing I, I get oftentimes, new believers, old believers alike, mostly by the time someone's new and they begin to grow in the Lord and, you know, it's their first, like, give me a call and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you, you know, and they're, they're starting to figure things out and growing and they want to know, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I know the will of God? How do I hear God speaking to me? And so um, we get this story here of, of God speaking to Samuel. And I think we find um, in here some of the answers to those questions. And I want to talk about that tonight. Um, I had recently uh, a meeting at Starbucks uh, last week, I think, the week of the 4th of July. And a person here from our church who wanted to meet with me and talk about some things. And we get there and we sit down. And this person says, how do I know the will of God? How do I know when God's speaking to me? And, um, so I told him, well, you don't <laughs> No, I didn't tell him that, but, um, but the reality is it, there's not a formula. I mean, there, maybe there are some formulas and some ideas, but you know, I, I guess the point being that, um, if you've been walking with the Lord for five years or for 50 years, I don't think you ever get to the point where, um, you always just know exactly what God is saying. There's always a little bit of a of a struggling through the process of 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 knowing it. Now it definitely gets easier, and we're going to talk about that today. You know, I was talking to um, Vlad, and Vlad was sharing with Pastor Gerald um, what was happening in Russia and Nizhny and, and his call of God over the last six months as God began to stir him and Savetha's heart to go to Georgia. And they, they went there and they, they, they spent some time there and, and, and Vlad shared the story for some of you guys that, that, that got to hear Vlad preach. But, um, as we know, he got a house, a big, huge two story house on the river in Georgia for $58,000. And some um, missionary, not missionary, some Christian from the United States who 15 years ago went to Russia on a two-week short-term missions trip and hired Vlad to be his um, translator, calls Vlad out of the blue, hadn't talked to him in 15 years, and said, God told me that you, to give you a gift, that you have some needs. And, and Vlad, and the guy said, and Vlad said, well, my son is graduating high school in, in the United States, and he had a plane ticket and we couldn't afford it and we had to borrow $1,500. So I have $1,500 worth of debt. And the guy said, well, is that all you need? And Vlad's like, oh, I should ask for more. The guy sent him $5,000. And, um, and then the guy said, is there anything else you need? You know, and, and so Vlad told him that he was going to go to Georgia and they were going to start a mission there. And, and, and God was calling them from Nizhny to go to Georgia and, um, and, and so the guy asked him a question. He said, what's, what's real estate costs in Georgia? And so Vlad said, well, we could buy a house for 58,000 American dollars. And, um, and the guy said, send him a check for $65,000. <laughs> and it's so funny. Vlad tells the story, the way the real estate market works 
in Georgia, there was another family that the realtor was showing the house to. And it wasn't like, like, who, like it goes under contract to whoever shows up with the money first, bottom line. And so this other family was there and ready to make an offer. And they did an electronic transfer from a bank in the United States to a bank in Georgia. And those transfers take seven days. And in those seven days, Vlad was going to lose the house. And so they sent the money at um, like noon on a Thursday. And at midnight on Thursday, the money was in Vlad's account, miraculously. And Friday morning, he went and, and, and bought that house. Long story to say this. That had nothing to do. I don't know why I got all into that whole story, but <laughs> that wasn't the story. So Vlad is telling dad this story and the, and the, and the thing. And dad looks at Vlad and says, we need to start um, a Bible college there. God's given you this facility for a Bible college. But he doesn't say it as in like, this is a good idea or this is what I think. Like, just so flippant. Just like, and it's, it's God speaking to him in the will of God. And that's what's going to happen there. And, you know, and, and sometimes we get frustrated, you know, the assistant pastors being around pastor Gerald sometimes, you know, because it seems like, did, did you hear from God? Like, like it's too easy for you, you know, just like, don't you need to go and like rub your knees in the rocks or something and shake your hands and, and, and hear the own voice of God to know the will of God. But, you know, but. There is a certain gift of administration, gift of the Holy Spirit that Pastor Gerald has. And there are times when God just speaks something to him in a conversation, in a meeting, in a board meeting. And it is absolutely from the Lord. But it comes across so, like, easy that you wonder, like, did you hear the voice of God? And then and I think there's other times, even with Pastor Gerald, where, you know, he like us and, 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 you know, together where we labor hard over a decision. We fast and we spend days and we pray and we, we seek the Lord and we, we try to determine and, and, and decide what the will of God is. But the question is, again, for you and I, how do you know the voice of the Lord? Does God speak to you? And, and if God speaks to you, how does he speak to you? So I, I want to look first an example. So let's get that app out that I asked you to get out. And let's just do this little exercise. Let's go, so you guys are in Genesis, New King James, right? Let's start with spoke. So type the word spoke into your search engine and hit go. And the first one that comes up is Genesis 8.15. Correct? Incorrect. Yeah, you guys got that? What does it say? Somebody read it. God spoke to Noah saying... Okay, so if you don't have it, then I'll, I'll give it to you. So the so when you when you type the word spoke, the first time the word spoke comes up in the Bible is in Genesis chapter eight and verse fifteen, and um, it says God spoke to Noah saying. Now this phrase is repeated so many times through the, the the book of Genesis. So if you look in verse chapter nine, verse number eight, what does that say? So this time God speaks to Noah and his sons, and then the next word is saying. Okay. Verse uh, chapter uh, 18, verse 29. Is that another one you got there? And he spoke to him yet again that this time the capital H is who's being spoken to. So I don't have the context there, but it looks like that God is being spoken to. And then he spoke to his sons. So in, in chapter 21, the commander of the of his army, we know that that's the Lord Jesus in this particular case, spoke to Abraham saying, let's see if I can find one more where God is speaking. So I'm just thumbing through here. Okay, let's look at Genesis 24, verse 7. So now we're at Abraham, and it says, The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my, fam my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife from your sons there. So now we have God speaking to Abraham, to Noah, to his sons, saying... Now, we read Genesis, we studied Genesis, and never once did we um, unpack the idea or anybody ask the question or anybody get puzzled about all of these times in Genesis where it just very plainly says God spoke to Noah and then what God said. Now, the question is, how did God speak to Noah in chapter 8 and verse 14? Verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah saying, what was that like? There was no written word, right? So, um... 
And, and, then, and then when God speaks to Abraham, when the angel of the Lord, when the angel of the Lord is speaking to Abraham in that particular case, I think we could probably assume that um, he was physically present there so that he was speaking like, like you and I speak. But when God spoke to Noah, he wasn't present there. God wasn't present there. Noah couldn't see God, right, at, at this time. Now, we know Enoch walked with God and, and was not because God took him. And so Enoch walked with the Lord in the garden in the cool of the day. The Lord would show up in the garden of, or not in the garden, but um, the Lord would show up in the garden of Eden and walk and talk with who? Adam and Eve. And so when we have God in the story physically there, then maybe we can assume that he's using his lips or if God has lips when he appears and God's a spirit and he he's speaking. But in, in so many places and this is just I just picked Genesis because it was the first. But you, you, you could expand your search range to the entire Bible. Right. And you would find this saying multiplied hundreds of thousands of times that God spoke. How did God speak? Have you ever asked yourself that? How did God speak to Noah in chapter 8, verse 15? Now, if we go to the New Testament, um, you can thumb with me if you want, or you can just hang out where you are. In Hebrews chapter 1, this is a good verse, a good Utah verse. You guys should know this. Hebrews chapter 1, it's easy to remember too, because it's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Listen to what it says. God, who at various times and in various ways... Is anybody there with me? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. Okay, okay, you can hang out. God, who at various times and in various ways, I want you to count this word, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. So God, who at various times spoke through the prophets, has in these last days chosen to speak to us through his son. Who's his son? What do we, what do we know about Jesus? John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That, that Jesus is the word. The word of God is, is Jesus. The word of God is alive and living and sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, the, 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 the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we, we have God who speaks to us more frequently today and, and, and according to Hebrews chapter 1 through his word. But discerning and knowing the will of God in your life and in my life is it's a little bit of a skill. It's a little bit of a practice. So I think that we can um, in, go back to Samuel and, and look at some um, examples and some things that we see in him that you and I can practice um, in our lives. I want to find one more verse. So on your blue letter Bible, so we'll do it together. So if you got that air app open, we're searching now, change your search range to the New Testament. And put in sure word. But Second Peter one nineteen says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do not well, you do well to heed, as the light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning rises in your hearts. And so we have a word of a prophetic word, which was confirmed. Um, that God speaks, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And that, that word moved by the Holy Spirit as God speaks to us through the word is, is how a, a, a sailboat is moved because the sail is up and the wind pushes it where, where it wants to go. And so um, God speaks to these men and he led the men that wrote the word of God to write exactly what he wanted them to write and, and say in his word. So, all right. So first thing we see in, in uh, Samuel is that um, back in verse number one, chapter three, it says, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. Now, I want to tell you something very opposite of verse number one of Samuel's day. For our day, the word of the Lord is as unrare as it's ever been in all of human history. I really believe that. I mean, we, we have the, the canon. We have the complete word of God. We have, we have signs in the sky and in the heavens. Um, we, have, we, have, we have 
the word of God being taught and translated and um, commentated on in every language. And, you know, you can go on like we just now now we have these apps, we have phones, we have, I mean, absolutely everything. And, and God is absolutely speaking to folks all over the world. One of the things that's happening um, is, is phenomenon is that, that Muslims are coming to Christ in greater numbers than ever before. And, and the testimonies are by the thousands and thousands and thousands. And you, you go to places like um, Tehran or Turkey or um, Iran or Iraq. Um, and it, you, you'll be arrested. You'll be thrown in prison. You could be killed for having a Bible on the streets. You don't go in a bookstore anywhere in the country of Iran, Iraq, Syria, Turkey and buy a Bible. And in these places, how is the word of God to come but God is not limited. And what, the, what so many of these converts are saying is that Jesus is appearing to them in dreams. Have you guys seen any stories on this? You know, you'll see them on Facebook, C, uh, CBN. If you don't have your, a CBN app, get it. Okay, CBN is a Christian broadcast network. And, and their Christian news is one of the best for these types of stories. Um, there are, many of them are, you know, really encouraging and uplifting. But... Um, so what's happening is Jesus is appearing to Muslims in dreams. But what's interesting, and interestingly enough, is that he, um, he oftentimes, in, in, in the testimonies you hear from lots of people, when you put them all together, a lot of the things that's consistent is that he's using people still to share the gospel. He's giving them a name or a person or telling them to go somebody. One, one of the things I love about this thing is because I read these stories and I hear these stories, but we have, um, they're not here anymore, but anybody remember Mike and Liz? Uh, Liz was a teacher at Grantsville High. Mike worked at the airport. They were coming to church here. They, they moved now, and now they're back. And he was, coincidentally, she got a, just got a job in Salt Lake. But um, Mike's, Mike and Liz's son, oldest son, grew up right here in Grantsville his whole life, got a job as a um, biologist, a, a, a birds of prey biologist um, in Turkey. And so he's lived in Turkey for 10 years, and he was approached um, by a woman who came to him and said that um, he was supposed to tell her about Jesus. And he was afraid because he thought it was a setup and that she was a spy and that he was going to go to jail and die. So he was reluctant. He tried to get away from her and didn't want to talk to her. And, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and she told him that she had a dream and that God showed him. Her, Jesus showed her his face and that he was to tell her about Jesus and he got to lead her to Jesus. First-hand account of, of this kind of thing happening. Side note, I, 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 I want to share with um, one of my LDS friends and ask them if they've heard of this. And just curiously enough, all of these people who are seeing dreams of Jesus, none of them are becoming LDS. So Jesus forgot that the restored gospel when he when he showed up in Tehran. Um, but again, that was just that again, a lot just to say that the, the word of the Lord is is very unrare today. But in these days, it is not rare in the least. And the boy Samuel ministered the Lord and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. Oh, one more thing on widespread revelation. Um is that uh, on July 27th, did you guys know what's happening on July 27th? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's not what I was talking about, though. But, yeah. Um, or what? Another blood-red supermoon um, is coming on July 27th. This one is the Mac Daddy of them all. Because it's that, whatever, I don't know the science behind it. I have to read it to you. But it's on my Facebook page if you want to check it out. But the, the earth or the sun or moon, the earth is as close to Mars as it ever is in a 300-year cycle. And so this particular July 27th, as the sun gets blotted out, it's going to be the biggest that it's ever been, and it's going to be red. Pastor Gerald was bragging about on his birthday, June 29th, in Hagerman, Idaho, they, they do their fireworks show early, so it was Friday night. And he's like, yeah, on my birthday, they do a personal fireworks show for me in Idaho. And I was like, well, on my birthday, God gives me a biggest blood red moon the world has ever seen. So what do you got to say? But um, 
it's coming. And, and again, these types of uh, just signs in the skies and phenomenons that, that God's doing. And, you know, we need to be careful what we read into them, but they're, they're definitely interesting. Um, all right. So la- first thing, getting off, getting way off of tonight. First thing in, in hearing the voice of God, I want to stick to this topic. Um, Eli, it says, it says that Samuel ministered to the Lord. And in my life personally, the number one hindrance of me hearing the voice of God, knowing the will of God in my life is, is when I'm distant from God. If my life is not right with God, if, if, I, if I have sin, if I have struggle, if I have, if I'm fighting with my wife, if I'm, and Peter tells us that, that if, if you're fighting with your wife, God's not going to hear your prayers and he's not going to speak to you. Um, you know, so get that right. You know, I never have a, a fight with my wife on a Saturday night. And I avoid her on Sunday morning. We drive separate cars to church just in case. And I'm not kidding. So that we don't have a big fight Sunday morning before I got to come preach. So I, I can't, you know, if I'm not right with my wife, if I'm not right with my relationships, if I'm not right with God, it's going to hinder God speaking to me. What, is, what does Jesus tell us, right? What Jesus says, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that you have aught with your brother, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to leave your gift at the altar, go and get it right with your brother, and then come back and, and offer your, your gift at the altar. Because again, if you're not right with, with, with relationships in your life, you're not going to be right with God. And we've shared this principle many times in, in church, right? That, that it they forms a cross and both are necessary for hearing the voice of God. If you're not right with God and, then, and you're not right with people, you're, it's going to hinder, and, and both, are, both are biblical, it's going to hinder your relationship. So the first hurdle in hearing the voice of God is a connection, a closeness with God. That's why we talked about, you know, we often talk about fasting and praying. And part of what fasting and praying accomplishes is, is bringing um, a clarity between you and God. Now, your sin, your busy life, your struggle, your, your lack of personal devotions, those don't change God's love for you, right? God's love for you is immutable. It's unchangeable. It's, it's unconditional. It's radical. God's love for you um, never ceases. It never changes. But, but what those things do is they, um, they cloud your ability, your relationship to, to hear, hear God, talk to God, to hear his voice. Right? No different. Again, the example of fighting with your wife. If, if, I'm, if I'm not right with my wife, we're, we're probably not communicating very well. Correct? And so getting right with the Lord, part of getting right with the Lord is, you know, and, I, and I'm constantly doing it. You know, you guys, I'm up here on the front row during the last song and, you know, repenting and, you know, trying to make sure that I'm as right with God as I can be. And, and, and I say that sincerely. And some weeks, you know, I'm up here bawling and you guys are like, oh, the worship is really touching him. No, I'm scared because I sinned and I'm asking God to forgive me, please, <laughs> because I got to get up there in a minute and I want to get right. And there's something going on that's just I'm struggling and I want to get right. And, you know, and, and, and that's where I preach anyways. And that's why God called me to be a pastor, because I have to be there and preach. Otherwise, you know, Jesus said, those that you put in my hands, I've lost none. And he could only figure out one way to keep this jumping bean in his hand was to put me in the ministry. So. But being right with the Lord, um, you know, and getting right, whatever that takes, get, get that cloud, get that stuff out of your life, repent of your sins, get right in your relationships. And and that will be a hindrance. If you struggle hearing the voice of God, I would start there. And and that's where Eli is, or I'm sorry, Samuel is. Samuel is in a place where he's ministering to the Lord. His devotional life is strong and not, not to say God can't speak to you, um, you know, in a time where, where, you know, everything's not perfect in your life. That, that's, that's not the point. But definitely um, in growing and in, in hearing the voice of God, it definitely starts in our devotion life. It starts in getting up a little bit early and collecting manna for yourself and your family. And, and that's the first part of, of hearing the voice of God. And then in verse 2 it says, And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down. And so um, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. Now, the second thing is that God has to have your attention. And, you know, it, sometimes, you know, it takes God to, to do something in your life to get your attention. You know, I, I think we, we sometimes can go through periods where we just haven't placed ourselves in a position that we're, we're hearing the voice of God. And, and that's the thing about church. 
you know, whether it comes from me, whether it comes directly from the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit speaks through me or speaks apart from me or through the worship or through somebody across the aisle. But the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren, which is the practice of the heathen, um, the practice of some. But part of the not forsaking the gathering of the brethren, part of the reason why God prescribed for believers to, to gather together on a regular basis is for us to continually be in a position that we can hear the voice of God. And, and, and if you're not in church and you're not around other believers for a week, two weeks, three weeks, it's very easily to slip into a place where you, you might have gone a whole month of your life and never paused to hear the voice of God. And God has been wanting to speak to you. God has been wanting to hear you. You know, and oftentimes, you know, we whine or we complain that, that God is not speaking to us or we're not hearing the voice of God. And we read these stories. God spoke to Noah saying, and we're like, well, God can speak to Noah like so simply and know exactly word for word. But he said, God, don't speak to me that way. And I often tell people in love, but in sincerity and truth, the problem is not on God's end. It's on your end. If there's a problem from with you hearing the voice of God, I promise you, it's, it's not God's fault. It's not God's hands too short. What do we say about God? He's not a, he's not a T-Rex. His hands aren't too short, but he doesn't have our attention. And, and, and God will do something to get our attention, whatever that might be. All right, so it says there in verse number four, it says, then that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. And so he ran and Eli said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you, lie down. And he went and lay down. And so Samuel wasn't yet accustomed to hearing the voice of God. Um, I heard a story of a, of a, of a guy whose dad had um, Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. And um, one of the symptoms of ALS was that his dad's speech began to slur. And so he was around his dad all the time and they went to order pizza and his dad was trying to tell the guy behind the counter what he wanted and his son was standing behind him and just doing his thing and, and the guy was, couldn't understand what his dad was saying and he leaned in and he asked his dad to repeat it and he said it a couple times and he, he just couldn't hear it. Well, finally his dad looked at his son and his son looked at the pizza guy and then, and then his son just told him what his dad was saying, no problem. And the guy was more intently focused and listening and trying. And his son wasn't paying much attention behind. But because he was around his dad all the time, he knew the voice of his dad. He knew what it sounded like, you know, and what his dad was saying. He could understand him because of the familiarity. And, and, and obviously that is, that is very true with, with knowing and hearing the voice of God. That there does absolutely become a familiarity with, with hearing the voice of God. I think that's why, you know, sometimes for Pastor Gerald, it seems to come very easy because he's been doing it for 45 years. And, and, and there is a little more of a, of a similarity in knowing and hearing the voice of God. And, you know, not to discourage anybody who's like, well, what about me? I've only been walking with the Lord for a year or three years. And, you know, I'm, I, what do I got to do? Wait 45 years? Absolutely not. You, you know, just just being in a place where, you know, you're you're hearing the voice of God and it becomes easier as as you go and as God um, will speak to you. Uh, there's a true story about about one of our presidents. I think it was uh, Lyndon Johnson. And uh, he was he was so tired of nobody ever listening to him and these long lines of these receptions where he'd come through and all the dignitaries would shake his hand. He would talk to them. True story. So one morning he he has all these foreign dignitaries and people there. They're in the White House and it's just a receiving line. And so he goes through and as people are coming through, he's shaking them hand and they say, hi, Mr. President, how are you? And he say, oh, I'm well, I'm well. He said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And he said that to every person that went down the line. And they all, you know, great, Mr. President, thank you. And nobody heard what he said. And he just, they just kept going and going and going. And I think it was the French dignitary, the story goes. And he shook the president's hand. The president said, oh, how? he said, how are you? He said, oh, I'm well. He said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And, and the guy said, oh, well, she must have deserved it. <laughs> One guy out of 50 hands that he shook was actually listening to the voice of God. Now, the word um, um, in Hebrew for listen, which is interesting, it's like love, right? Love in English, we have one word for love that means everything. In, um, in, in the Greek, there's multiple words, agape, phileo, Philadelphia. Um, here is the same way. 
We have one word to listen or hear. It means the same. But in the Hebrew language, there's, there's different words that describe how people hear. For example, um, when you're talking to your teenager, they hear sound, but they're not computing what you're saying. They don't, they don't listen. You know, for me, I, I didn't grow up with a dad. I grew up with a single mom, and I think she, she was the same way, and I kind of rubbed off on, on me. But, you know, when, when, I, uh, when I became an adult, a lot of people would tell me, you're not listening. And it bothered me. I was like, I heard every, or, you know, I heard the sound. I heard every word you said, but you're not listening. To this day, I'm not a great listener, so... Everybody has strengths and weaknesses, so you guys just have to bear with me. I'm not a great listener. I try. I'm getting better. And I know, I know being a good listener is, is an important quality, and, and especially for a pastor and a leader. And I know the people that I love and admire the most, one of the things I love and admire the most about them is that they're good listeners. And, and I know they hear me when I talk to them. And I'm not the greatest listener, but I'm much better than I, than I was before. And, and the, the concept, you're not listening, it just never made sense to me because I'm like, I heard every word you're saying. But it starts to make sense when... You know, to this day, it used to be right now I have an iPhone, but it used to be when, when you need directions, you'd stop at a gas station, you'd go and you'd ask the guy at a gas station, he'd say, you know, go up three blocks and make a left and, and then go down two blocks and make a right. And then I'd get back in my car and before I got to the first light, I had no idea what he said. I could not remember three blocks left, two blocks right. And it started to dawn on me. I heard every word that he said. But I just wasn't listening. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. There's another word for listen um, that's like a runner or a sprinter who's on the blocks. And he's listening for the gun. And, and when the gun goes off, he's going to take off with, with, with action. He's prepared to listen and obey. And, and, and that's another thing about hearing the voice of God. God, God wants us to be um, in a position to hear the voice of God and obey. Or God may not speak to you. Now, now that, that, that's an important concept because, you know, again, we whine or we complain that God's not speaking to us. But the reality is God already spoke to you and you didn't listen. And he's waiting for you to obey so he can give you the next direction. And you wouldn't be any different with your kids. Your kids keep asking you the same thing over and over again, right? And you've already given them the answer, but they didn't like the answer. So they just keep asking. I don't know how you guys react. Everybody's maybe a little bit different. But sometimes I'll just give them silent treatment. And they get upset, like, why, why won't you answer me? And then eventually I'll tell them, I've answered you four times. And you don't like my answer, so you keep asking me the same question in another way. Go do what I told you to do or go listen. And, and, and we can be that way as well, that we, we may not like it or we uh, may listen. Now, a long study, but one of the, the studies of listening or hearing the voice of God that Chuck Smith used to teach that was very articulate and very powerful was through the life of Abraham. And one of the things that happened in the life of Abraham was that, you know, God told Abraham originally to go and Abraham went. Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees and he went. The interesting thing is that God never told Abraham where to go. He just said, go. And Abraham got up and went, not even knowing where he was going. You'd think you'd say, okay, where do you want me to go? Abraham just got up and went. And then as he went, God began to give him the next direction. And sometimes God speaks to us that way. He gives us one little piece at a time. But what happens in Abraham's life, you study the hundred years of Abraham's life that we get to study through the book of Genesis. There's times where Abraham's life seems to be on pause. And the reason why it's on pause is because Abraham is in a time of disobedience. And God gave him an instruction and Abraham went years without doing what God told him to do. And, and, and God didn't speak to him again. So we can go through those periods in our lives and say, God's not speaking to me. And, and I like here how God comes to Eli or to Samuel three different times and tells him the same thing. Because I believe that the grace and the patience of God will tell you again. But oftentimes, he's waiting for you to obey what he already told you. And, and in Abraham's life, he, he comes to these points and then, and then he obeys. And then you see the progression of his life pick up at that point. Just this lull, this, this kind of stale part of his life where he's not growing and not doing anything. And then, and then he's obedient to something God told him 10 years prior. And then it starts over. The voice of God begins to continue and clear in his life. And he goes on and he's, he's growing and listening. And so um, to hear the things that, that God wants, be willing to obey. Amen.
All right. Where are we going to let's just go. Let's go eight. And it says, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and he went to Eli. Here I am for you did call me. And then Eli perceived the Lord had called the boy. And therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, your servant here. So Samuel went and lay down. And now the Lord came to Samuel and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Verse number 10. How did the Lord speak to Samuel? As at other times. Um, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us. And I think, again, we'd be guessing. Did, did Samuel hear an audible voice? What do you guys think here? Did he did? Maybe. Yes, no, maybe. I'm, nobody's really been solid on what their opinion is. Um. Oftentimes, I would say my opinion is that is that there's not an audible voice in this particular case. Maybe I'm kind of on the fence because um, in this particular case, it's enough that he thinks it was Eli talking to him. He heard it so clearly that he got up and he went to Eli and said, Eli, you spoke to me. Now, I've had times in my life where God has spoken to me as clear as Samuel heard it right here. And it was not in an audible voice. But we, we use terms and we say things like as if it was an audible voice. It was that clear. And many times when that's happened, it's been where God's brought me to a scripture and he quickened a scripture that he spoke literally as audibly as unaudible can be. And still that I knew something you'll never take from me, something nobody will ever, um, you know, be able to talk me out of. I know God spoke to me. I know what he said. And it was clear. I know, I know when God called me, God called me to preach the gospel in a very clear, very, very certain terms, you know, certain times in life where God spoke very clearly. Um, I've never heard an audible voice of God, literally, but I've many times heard a very, very clear voice of God in my life on, on a decision, on a thing. So, you know, and obviously the Old Testament in these days are different than our days as, as we read in Hebrews chapter one, but Here's the point that I want to stress the most to, to you guys, to our church, to us as, as a family here, is that God can speak to you. God wants to speak to you. God has no problem telling you things in your life on a daily, on a regular basis. You know, and, and oftentimes it's, it's through the word of God. It comes in times of devotions. It comes in, you know, it can come driving your car. It can come, you know, in, in so many ways. But God can and will and wants to speak to you. You don't need a, a, a preacher. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a priest. You don't need a bishop for God to, to give you the voice of God. God will speak directly to your heart, into your life. You know, so many verses, you guys. I, I could We could have spent the whole night and I could have compiled all the verses talking about God speaking to us through his word. You know, my favorite one is Psalm 119. Um, How may a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? Your word have I hid hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a what? And a light unto my path. And that's how God directs us and leads us through speaking to us through his word. God sometimes will speak to your heart in a still small voice. Sometimes, you know... And I think, again, last kind of point, and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of put this dog to rest. But um, another thing that happens is that you, you may not like the way that God speaks to you. You may want, you know, you, you, I don't know, for whatever reason, but you may want, you may want the Lord to, you know, put out some speakers in heaven on, on volume two trillion and, and cast something down through the skies and, and, oh, Brian, turn left at the next corner, this God voice. And if you don't get that, then you, you won't receive it as the will of God in your life. And God's not going to speak that way. There's no faith. There's no reward. There's no blessing. There's no, there's no opportunity for you to grow and really have to be a person of faith, right? Because blessed are you who, who believe and yet have not seen. And though we don't see the face of God, we're directed by God. We're led by God. The Bible says the angels marvel at your and my faith because they're in the presence of God every day. And yet we're led as well as they are outside the presence of God. So um, sometimes we, we maybe have an expectation of the way that God wants to speak to us. Now, one more point, and then, and then we will be kind of wrapping up. I want to finish chapter four, but we, three, but we will be wrapping up. 
Um, you guys still awake? I know I'm losing you. We're, we're almost done, so stay with me. Stand up, turn around, sit down, do whatever you got to do, okay? Five minutes. Um, important concept in hearing the, the voice of God, especially for married couples, is that God speaks, listen, God speaks to you, and then he also speaks to people that love you and love who else? And love him. So, so the Christians that are in your life, and not to the man, and not that every Christian you know is going to hear the voice of God for your life, but definitely one of the things that happens and one of the, the litmus tests that I use in discern, discerning the, the will of God is people that love God and love me, and do they also feel a peace? You know, this is the example I use all the time because it was a big one. Now they could come in smaller doses too. But, you know, when, when we were deciding to move to Utah, the people that, that loved God and loved us, they felt a peace about it. When we came to them and said, hey, we feel like we're called to Utah. They, 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 they just felt, they felt good about it. They knew it was the will of God. And, and, and God oftentimes will do that. Now it's going to start between a husband and a wife. You know, and I often tell people that it, as a married couple, God is capable to speak to you both. And God needs to speak to you both. And Lydia and I, over the years, it's gotten easier. But we, we started, and, and still to this day, that God has to speak to us both. Especially on the big decisions. Like, you know, I'm talking about everyday decisions that we want God to speak to us both. But absolutely, you know, buying a car. You know, whatever. Buying a house. What, big decisions that we make. That God's going to give me a peace about it, but I'm not going to come to my wife and she says, well, I don't really have a peace and I'm not really sure. And I, well, I know God spoke to me. I know God spoke to me. And, you know, if I talk her into it and then a month down the road, I crash that car. How's that going to go for me? I told you, I told you that wasn't the will of God. You should have listened to me. Uh, but if I wait and I allow God to speak to her and give her a peace and she can say, yes, I, I know the Lord spoke to me. God spoke to you. Let's buy that car together. Then I crash it in a month. I'm not going to have a fight at home because that's that we both we both decided together that God was speaking and that, that God God spoke to us. You know, the guy that I met with Starbucks the other day was one of the one of the pieces of advice I gave him was that um, that, that God, God God will speak to the people around you. So when you when you start sharing with other Christian friends and other people now, again, not not people that aren't that aren't Christians, they, they don't count. Right. And you don't take counsel from them. You love them. You reach out, whatever your relationships with them are different, but you definitely don't receive counsel from nonbelievers. But when, when you share with believers some things that are going on and if if they feel peace and good, it's one of the ways, you know, the will of God. All right. I just saw the time. So let's be done. In verse 11, it says, then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel, which both ears of everyone who hears it will, t- will tingle. And in that day, I will perform against Eli and all, all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity, which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. And then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, Hanani, here am I. And he said, what, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. So Eli kind of does him dirty. He's like, God curse you if you don't tell me everything. And then in verse 18, Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. One of the, um, one of the, the calls of the, of, the, of the ministers, of Christians, is, is to tell the truth and the whole truth. And just, this was a hard word. And so we lost it in context as I was talking about speaking. So I'll just bring it up to speed really quick. Eli's sons were very wicked. We call them Phineas and Fur. Hophnius and Phinney were their names. Phineas and Hophnius and whatever their names were. Phineas and Ferb's good enough, right? So Eli was the priest and his two sons had become very wicked and rebellious. And they were sleeping with the women in the, in the tabernacle. They were stealing the food for the offerings and Eli never dealt with them. So when the Lord came to Samuel here, the prophecy was that God was going to kill Eli's sons. 
And, and so Eli, Samuel was afraid to tell Eli because it was an ominous prophecy about Eli's sons. And so Eli says, tell me everything or what happened to you and more. And, and then it came to the point where he had to deliver this word that was very difficult. And, and Samuel delivers it faithfully, exactly like the Lord told him. And he just told Eli, he said, he told him exactly what the Lord said, that God's going to kill your sons. And it says, um, Lord, let him do. Or then Samuel told him everything. And did not hide anything. And Eli said in verse 18, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So it's kind of a bummer response that Eli has. You know, you think, oh, that's a great thing. It's the Lord. Let him do what he wants. But in this case, not not in the area of discipline. When when, when Samuel came to Eli and said, man, God's going to kill your sons. You would think that rather than Eli say, oh, okay, well, it's God. He can do what he wants. That he would say, he would break at that point and ask for repentance and no Lord, you know, let me deal with them. Let, you know, give us an opportunity to repent. Give us an opportunity to get it right. And hopefully if God's, God's speaking to you that way and me that way, that our response is to repent and beg God for mercy and ask God for a second chance. And, and, and maybe it would be that, that, that God would then allow us the opportunity to make it right. But Eli, unfortunately, he doesn't do that. And then in verse 19, so Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So that begins with the word and ends with the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and Lord, our, our, message tonight, Lord, was was about hearing the voice of God and Lord, encouraging each one of us that first of all, Lord, that we can hear your voice. And God, one of the blessings, one of the amazing things about following you and being a Christian is that we're, we're led by the God of the universe who will speak to each one of us individually. And Lord, that each one of us are rank high enough according to your love and your mercy that you you want to speak to us, that you care about us, that you care about our days and you care about our decisions and God, that you're very capable of speaking to each one of us. And Father, if there's anybody in here that struggles or feels, you know, bad about not hearing the voice or not understanding how to know the will of God, God, that you would speak to each one of us. Help us grow in this area of our lives, God. Help us to, to be right with you in our relationship, God, to get to forgive, um, to be forgiven of our sins and to Lord get those things out of our lives. And Father, to to not do them anymore and to have the relationships with the people in our lives. Right, God, and with our spouse and Lord, with our children and Father, to, to desire to hear your voice and to know the will of God um, because we want to know it and, and because you want to speak and we have ears to listen. And Father, we we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.